People like to pretend, like vinyl enthusiasts, that the album is as mm. important. You know, it's like a film, but it's not. Yeah. It's usually just a smaller CD or it's like an mm-hmm. iPod. It's just a little iPod with only one artist on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> most of the time. Unless, unless it's now, that's what I call music. <laughs> <laughs> on vinyl. <laughs> vinyl now, that's what I call music. <laughs> You know, kids um, pop on vinyl really... Uh, it slaps. Yeah. Yeah. You can really hear each individual kid. <laughs> oh, fuck. That would be... My brother has a record player. I should see if there is a kids pop on vinyl. I should you get should, him. You just start getting him. Yeah. Now that's what I call... Because there's so many. And the gag Now just... that's what I call kids pop? <laughs> it's the greatest hits of kids pop? For every, for every holiday. I'll get him jock jams. The original jock jams. <laughs> the original jock jams. <laughs> no, but you don't want to be too kitschy because, like, that would be fun yeah, in its own way. Yeah. That's why you've got to like double down on it being a, you know, now that's what I call music number two, and I can't wait for yeah. it. Can't wait to show you what I'm getting you for Christmas. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Tuesdays, the old podcast about children's cartoons. I'm Austin. I'm Rory. And I am Andrew. You had a very serious vibe when you started yeah, this one. Yeah, that's because, listen, um, you know, while we're here, when you're in my kitchen, you're going to address me as Yes Chef and No oh, Chef. Oh, no. <laughs> and because I'm hearing table six got served a plate of this bimoni, but it was covered in pests. <laughs> <laughs> Who could have done that? <laughs> Who could have done that chef? Who could have done that chef? It's really funny. That really funny thing. Who could have done that? I don't know. That's what, I, that's what I'm here to find out. I'm trying to figure out who, which one of you fucking... Who pissed in the pasta? You know. <laughs> well, Spumoni isn't pasta, you goddamn no. idiot. No, but I'm sorry. There's no piss in the pasta chef. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah. we haven't had a theme in a while, so I feel like this is important. Yeah, we're chefs. You're, well, you're the chef, and we're the cooks, and somebody yeah. pissed in the pasta. And the spumoni. <laughs> somebody, I mean, just the spumoni. Yeah. What a tragedy. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> Do you want to care to elaborate on that? <laughs> what a fucking tragedy that this has happened. This has occurred. Uh, I'm just what getting they, word no, 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 okay, Wait, a chef? Hey, chef, chef, can you tell me yeah. what, the look was, the, what the look was on their faces when they saw? Um, I, I just heard from the head of house. That, oh, you know. Uh, would you mind if I went out and, and looked? I want to accurately gauge how uh, how fucking pranked they are, <laughs> chef. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll be I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> oh no, sorry, sorry. Um, no, they're very sad. They're crying. They vomited. Uh, wait, hold on, wait. Now I'm gonna go out and look. <laughs> yeah, go take a look. Right? Did oh, you piss in the hey, pasta? Oh. Oh, oh uh, hi, Chef. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, guys. I just want to call this all. It turns out that's Ted Cruz out there. So I, I'm, I'm my bad. Let's, you know, let's really, you know, let's really get this thing nasty. Anybody got any more piss left in the tank? <laughs> I think um, I did it all. I, th- I did all of it in this Pomoni, so. <laughs> Which is the only piss in the kitchen is in this Pomoni. <laughs> Are we sure about that, Rory? Do you have anything you want to confess no. about the pasta? <laughs> Nobody pissed in the pasta. 
<laughs> okay, but you've said that a lot of times now. It's making me think maybe you pissed with the pasta. Well, you know, <laughs> for this smokers fire. Did we just separately decide to do fun piss pranks on Ted Cruz? <laughs> uh, no, I use, I do that. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how I get my thrill. Now that we're all having a great time talking about our issues here, Chef, I think I think we're really learning a lot today. <laughs> hey, let's learn a lot about Rocco's modern life. <laughs> show about piss. <laughs> show about piss <laughs> in the way that Seinfeld is a show about nothing. <laughs> Rocco's modern life is a show about piss. Um, no, it's not. Hey guys, hey, this is our final episode of our Nicktoons special that we kind of decided on the fly because we had a we were going to do zim as a special and then we were going to do we had our patrons that voted to do danny phantom and those yeah. are both shows on nick and then we were like well we're already halfway in it so and you know nick uh, was always on the docket to begin with yeah we we yeah, known... not necessarily as uh nick Toons sort of right you know yeah phantasmagoria <laughs> and we and, have avoided the 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 rugrats of the world the the uber populars the the biggest yeah the biggest boys at the table you know we like mm-hmm. we like the small ones the ones who who are sort of weird sort of funky do you think rocco counts i feel like we're stretching it a little bit because i feel like they're i feel like rocco rocco produced what like 50 some episodes and i think it's still pretty well regarded like in general like there's a lot of people that watched it am i more am i wrong about True, that is it actually it more is... indie more more niche than i thought it is weird i mean but you know it's not spongebob no, no, you know, it never, you know, it never got a, I mean, it got a, a Netflix comeback special in like 2017 or something. Yeah. Which I never got around to watch. I, I know I would have loved to wa- have time to watch it for this, but uh, I did not. Well, you know, um, the interesting, cause I think you're right, Andy. The interesting thing, I think with these sort of like kids show lineups, because, you know, you talk about how like a sitcom lives or dies on what is sort of, pr- you know, preceding it. And if it's, mm-hmm if that works, if the audience is going to be receptive. And I almost see a kid's show lineup as being a lot more adversarial. Like, if imagine you're, <laughs> you're like, if, if you're sitting and your little sister's watching Rugrats and you're like fucking hating it because you're nine now and over it, right? <laughs> then a yeah. show for, then a, then a, then a stinky Rocco comes on and you are happy. You're, you know, you're, yeah. you're the happiest, you're the happiest lad in Pistown. <laughs> you're the wettest you're the wettest boy in piss city <laughs> there were a lot of wet boys in piss city <laughs> let me tell this you was the, wettest. the boys got pretty wet in piss city <laughs> I, hate, I hate this we turned your thing around <laughs> we're not we're not in the kitchen anymore it's, is, we're just, just we're in piss city and it's raining <laughs> this is, yeah we've stepped out of the restaurant into the hard, the, the wet streets of Piss City. Oh, look, it's Ted Cruz's house. Um, no, no, I, I think that there's, there's a, there's a, a quality about Rocco that puts it in a, a similar conversation as, uh, as a Ren and Stimpy, yeah. where everyone knew about it, and not everyone was buying what it was selling. Like I don't, yeah. I think Rocco is very well known. I don't know how well watched. That's it fair. actually is. Yeah, yeah um, I mean, this is an interesting fact, I think, from uh, 
Wikipedia, but they were saying that at the time Nickelodeon was selling itself as a network based as much around the edge as kids entertainment. It aimed to appeal to college students as parent and parents as much as children. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of this this time where they were like, hey, we're not basic cable. They found out. They found or we're out. Not, we're not network like basic, uh, you know, we're not channel six or whatever and have to, you know, right. do what they, they do. We're kind of, you know. Appealing uh, to college students is the most air quotes for stoner comedy I think I've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Ren Simpy was like a known prop, you know, property at the time and a huge yeah. hit. And so, you know, there definitely was an awareness of what it was, right? This wasn't, this wasn't, they didn't sneak anything really under the radar to get, you know, this wasn't like an act of guerrilla, uh, you know, politicism or whatever to sort of like get this on the air. This was like the idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I, I was curious, I wanted to pull up this list. It was one of the first what they would call Nicktoons in terms of just like full cartoon series that Nickelodeon produced. Cause this is, this is like surprisingly a lot earlier than I thought it was 1993. Yeah. So the only Nicktoons that came out before this were Doug Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy, like in terms of like traditional Nicktoons. Yeah. And then, and then after this and concurrent with it would be Ah real monsters. Hey Arnold and Kablam. And you know, and so like, you have this interesting mix of content. You've got the, ex- you, you know, it, it, they, they found a few different equally spaced out data points. There is a scale from left to right from Rugrats, Doug, Rocco, Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. And, and that's, a, it's an interesting, it's interesting coverage. And I don't know, uh, Rocco, Rocco is, is not, not as upsetting to watch as Ren and Stimpy, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just as like kind of, hallucinogenic sometimes uh it 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 the world it takes place in is is kind of frightening <laughs> it seems like if, if, if there is and and i have i've seen rocco over the, like you know as a kid um mm-hmm. but sort of as you mentioned the hallucinogenic quality i never watch it frequently enough to really figure out what the fuck i was looking at yeah. um <laughs> yeah so Rory, you watched this as a kid right only like I just said, only in sort of spurts that I don't think I ever really followed or got into. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember yeah. really liking it. Uh, I just know I, I know I've seen it. it could be on people's houses. Yeah, I I feel confident that I ended up watching every episode over the course of its you know reruns and stuff. I watch quite a lot of it. Yeah, I I don't again I don't remember much. You know, it's just I I know that it was always on. Like I always um, left it on if it came on. But if I can make a comparison and let me know if you guys feel this is apt then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ren and Stimpy might be, there might be, there's a butthole and, and Ren and Stimpy says, look into the butthole. Mm-hmm. And in Rocco's Modern Life, there's a butthole that's just kind of there in the background. Yeah. And everyone just kind of is like, okay with the butthole. <laughs> Nobody's talking about it. Yeah. It's the O in O-Town. Is is the butthole <laughs> and and the Owen conglomo. There's just buttholes everywhere if you really you know if you put your glasses on and look for them in Rocco. But yeah, it's I I, I fully I fully agree. And yeah. So I guess I guess what's what's weird to me is that it is so like. Tell me if you've seen these before. Modern internet culture 
in the way that it always likes to sort of look at old things and act like we always all knew all these secret facts about old things. Like, oh, you all remember the things we all know about the production of such and such a show? They've, they've, they're on every fucking BuzzFeed list or shitty article that you've seen linked out about like 10 times Nickelodeon got away with way too much for a kid's (laughs) show. Oh, right, sure. They always, they always show this moment from a rugger uh, from a, a, a Rocco episode that we didn't watch where Rocco seemingly the like lost one, his, yeah. yeah, he lost his job and he tries a bunch of jobs and one of his jobs is phone sex. Oh baby. Oh baby. Oh baby. Rocco. Mrs. Bighead. And like, I right, feel everybody like knew. they was not sneaking yeah, anything in. Right. But I, I almost feel like the modern perception of Rocco is like, that is punk has rock. been f- flanderized around this like central moment of when Rocco did phone sex, and we uh, kind of forgot how like wholesome a lot of the show is, even though it's not. I don't know. I think we like modern perception thinks that this show is edgier than it was, and it sure. is edgy, but it's not edgy in the in that way all the time. Right. I think well, it's there's edgy. only so edgy something can be that is like corporate sponsored and like you know it, again it's like they're not sneaking anything through the senses no no and and they seem to be not only allowing people to push the envelope but really good sports the same way that you know classically mm-hmm. fox is a good sport about simpsons dogging on the on fox mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah. they take they take a lot of hits uh about yes. like studio execs and networks <laughs> yeah i mean good fun the- there is, I mean, there, there's a discussion. I mean, I'm curious whether, you know, how much of dealing with network censors are like, hey, we're the censors. We know this is a masturbation joke, but <laughs> how how obvious do we want to be about it? You know, like mm-hmm. versus like, hey, wait a minute. Ooh, wait a minute. You put a masturbation joke in here. You know, it's I like, have sneaked it by me. I can't believe I didn't notice. Yeah, I think the actual censors are much more of a law sort of thing, right? Where it's like, it has to fit specific scientific parameters, sort of, not scientific, but you know, it's, it's the like Mm -hmm. producers that are like, this is too, the more art, the more like, hold your hand and, you know, actually make you change content. There is, I mean, there's definitely like real people who do the sort of like, hey, we can't put this you know who come back yes yes i just meant that you like know. this the uh the actual like what do they call the them? money people now. are terrified they'll lose it yes but then and the they, they guys, do censoring too the censor guys are just lawyers i think right um, they could be yeah uh, what is it called Sta- standards of practices the standards of practices right is, is a, like yes. a legal department basically yeah yeah i i like I like what this show ended up being in the end. I, I I think that the the vibe is is unique. Um, it it's very like it's both very cartoony and like kind of upsettingly real. Uh, mm-hmm. frequently, <laughs> like yeah, like there's there's a lot of Rocco episodes that kind of revolve around like very sort of upsettingly mundane adult things. Yeah, uh, and and yet, like Rory said, if you look there's a butthole in the background and you're like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, it it is, uh, you know, it's definitely in that sort of like gross, yucky era of, of cartoons of where, you know, like boys love slime and, you know, Mm -hmm. 
old frogs and nasty garbage, <laughs> you know, whatever. Sometimes, you know, sometimes Heifer walks through a door and there's a fart sound and you're like, okay, he farted. He's Move mostly on. ass. Like Heifer is 90% <laughs> ass, right? I mean, he's like he's an, an ass, ass cheek. <laughs> he's an ass with, with, with limbs. Yeah. <laughs> but there's oh, also, God. there's a, you know, it really is amazing how much launched from Rocco. Right. I mean, mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. not just SpongeBob, which, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, but, you know, Steven Hillenberg, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, you know, was like the main, was the creative director on Rocco. And there's a lot of, uh, connective tissue in this sort of, I don't know, the liminal space that, that, yeah, that this world is that, that these like different disparate characters who are not really children and not really full adults that just sort of like live and, you know, barely mm-hmm. do much. And, you know, I don't know, like how, how vaguely defined the world is. Yes. Yes. And I, I have, I have a hot take I'll give later on, on, uh, on, on that sort of <laughs> lineage, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also, you know, uh, but also, uh, Mitch Shower, the show's assistant storyboard artist, would create the Angry Beavers. Uh, oh, wow, yeah. The uh, two writers for the show created Phineas and Ferb. Um, wow. Tom really? Kenny got his start in this show. Yeah, Tom Kenny, notably, yeah, is half Ferb. This was his first big role. Yeah. No, it's cool. But hey, I want to talk more about the specifics of what's going on in Rocco for the people who have been completely lost this whole time. And what better way to do that? By diving right in? Yeah, I was going to make it pause even longer to be upsetting. <laughs> oh, I thought we were going to do is like dive right into Piss City. I thought we were going to go back to Piss City. Do some more Piss City comedy. No, you're going to go back to the kitchen. You're going to make me a dish without piss in it. So I yes, can chef. eat it. Thank you. There's no piss in the pasta. <laughs> Let's dive right See, in. He keeps saying that. <laughs> I just, I just, uh, I just flew, I just, I just flew here, I just flew in, boy are my arms tired, and, and wet, because <laughs> I was flying outside, where it's raining piss, and piss, <laughs> okay. uh, it's Rocco's Modern Life, we're gonna start with Season 2, Episode 9B, that's the back half of this one. Uh, where you watch along is there, you know, there's an A and a B. There's two. Uh, I think you get mm-hmm. it. Uh, it's called Uniform Behavior. And uh, yeah, so Heifer damages his father's car and takes a job as a security guard to pay it off. But the position goes to his head and leads him to have a shining style mental breakdown. Um, That's one way to interpret what happened. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, it's, I guess with 10 minutes. Yeah. Th- what this really feels like is a sequence of a, of a full episode. Um, like, I don't know that this was an episode, but it, it wasn't because it, it was very, 9B. So like, it felt very quick. Yeah. Yeah. Like we moved, we moved from piece to, 
piece to piece and like like bigger emotional shifts were happening than it felt like the events of the episode warranted. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe that's it's structure structure wise, it maybe. Good, it but got some good fun in. Yeah. It did. I picked this episode because I wanted us to get one of these half episodes in because that's yeah. quite a lot of what Rocco was. Oh, I mean, um, the extreme super majority of episodes are... Yeah, are, well, it, it's got a really vignette feel, right? Where, like, an Adventure Time or something does a whole sort of... Time, you know, a whole full episode in ten minutes. Like, you know, beginning, yeah. middle, end. Um, this this is not a beginning, middle, and end. It really is a sort of snippet. Uh, and it, and, it, and it, in that, it manages to sort of do, I would say... Like, again, this feels like ten minutes out of a, like, whatever, hour-long thing, right? In mm-hmm. the sense that if you had an hour-long episode of Rocco, you could still... This w- this is what 10 minutes of it could have been. Is that... Yeah, I feel that. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Yeah, it, it feels yeah. like it's not an episode. It's a part. It's just a it's just a short. It's a vignette. And, it, and that works. It was cool. And interestingly, yeah. we're, we're starting with this episode, but it has barely any Rocco in it. Yeah. Um, which is the strength of this show, I think, uh, in general. There's, there are three main characters, right? There's Rocco, and he's what, a wallaby? Is that right? He's a, or, yes, a wallaby. Uh, and then, and he's got a New Zealand accent. Uh, well, he's, yeah, but he's the Jason Bateman of the show, right? He's the sort of yeah. perpetual straight man. Yeah. Generally, yeah. A lot of weird shit tends to happen to him, and he's always sure. very surprised and, and, and freaked out by it. Like, he's never... You know, he's he's rarely in on the the like the wackiness. This yeah, the world the is always very hostile him to him. Really willing to play ball while still being mostly a pretty grounded character. Yeah, yeah there is it is something watching the uh, theme song again, which was, by the way, performed by uh, the B-52s. Yeah. Um, and you can tell. Yeah. Um, Rocco's Modern Live. I was thinking uh, we I was thinking we could do uh, we could do a cover band. The B fifty twos, but uh, the, which would the, be the P fifty twos? P fifty twos because because of where we are. PP, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because of what you did in in the pasta. Because, dish. because of what didn't happen in the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> and our hit single "Piss Shack." <laughs> yeah. Um. No. So or the Ted theme Cruz song. Lives. The the theme song is sort of like. I don't know what it's trying to say, but it, I mean, it, it's sort of like it's it's a series of it's like showing Rocco getting dropped off as a baby by Wallaby parents, you know, basically being mm-hmm. deposited somewhere. And then he's like mashed down with like a hat to sort of become a child. And then like he, he feels like he's being molded by society to sort of become I don't know. It's just well, it has yeah, a very I- cynical edge to it that I think and my my recollection of a lot of the plots of uh, and especially the world building of Rocco is that it is highly O-Town is highly corporate like there are like terrifyingly large malls and way too many highways and everyone works for this one company called Conglomo and like you know a, a lot of it like yeah there's a lot of like really like upsetting like now go live your desk job life little boy kind of kind of vibe to mm-hmm. it that that hurts to watch you know as an yeah, adult yeah i but, don't think uh, i understood the like concept of ennui when i was you know <laughs> a child watching this or or some more 
but I, but I felt these things, right? I mean, the intro mm-hmm. made me feel, I don't know. It was just like, this is kind of depressing. <laughs> this is like, I, it, it just, you could tell that Rocco didn't feel like he had agency. Yeah. You know, that things were sort of forcing him to the next stage of adult life. That he was just and kind he, of being And pushed. he has to find whatever small happiness he can to, to kind of yeah. get through. He's got terrible neighbors. The big heads live next door and they hate his fucking guts and they hate his dog. And uh, Mr. Big Head is always like fucking trying to figure out ways to get rid of him or, or, or yeah, it's just, it's, it's funny. It's funny how very adult the premise is and not in like a, you know, not adult, but like adult like the the mundane shitty adult things yeah um yeah definitely a lot closer to ren and stimpy in in that mm-hmm. way to than spongebob yeah so he's got a friend heifer who's kind of a man child uh he has a disapproving father and a coddling mother and he lives with them and he uh fails he fails in every direction. Some episodes he fails upwards, some episodes he fails downwards, but he's always failing. Uh, and he mm-hmm. has a pretty positive outlook. And he's a big cow that's mostly butt, as Austin pointed out. Mm-hmm. He was my uh, favorite and- character. <laughs> he's incredible. <laughs> Rocco! Tom Kenny does a- yeah, Tom Kenny does a great <laughs> job as Heifer. I mean, he doesn't sound like SpongeBob. I mean, he, you know, he no. sounds like Heifer. Uh, my favorite character was Filbert, uh, uh, the third, yes, the third one. Uh, the, the turtle sort of, it's the turtle right yeah, yeah. the the kind of obsessive re- retentive uh you know glasses wearing he's the the george costanza Worry-wart. of the show yeah yeah uh and he's very funny and he marries a hot dentist and i always <laughs> loved their relationship um uh yeah so there there's a you know there's a fun cast there's a lot of recurring characters uh and yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, very specific vibe. If you've never watched the show, you should go fucking check it out. I'm assuming most people have at least some kind of passing familiarity with this, but. Yeah. So uh, this is a heifer as as, episode. This is a heifer episode where we start with his television. He's watching. <laughs> uh, and I love that both of our episodes came back to the same. Yeah. Thing, uh, which was unintentional. But RoboFrog, who is very clearly meant to be like RoboCop. Uh, but he's Robo. It's like an ad for Robo Frog Four, and the announcer says, "Like coming soon, Robo Frog Four. This time, everyone gets hurt real bad." Heifer <laughs> 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 goes, "Cool." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then the, the second episode we watched, it's like, "Have you seen uh, Robo Frog Five yet?" <laughs> and I don't know, a fun sense of, of remembering yeah. your world building and having time pass. Yeah, I, don't know. I like that a lot. Which is um, kind of more alarming if you think about it, because nothing else really has that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything else is anachronistic and there's no and there's no sort of like shared mythos. But somewhere in the world, there's there's time and place to RoboFrog. <laughs> <laughs> it continues to churn and the world yes. knows. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think it's it's not a mistake that Robofrog slash Robocop is being invoked here uh sure. as as a yeah. sort of very clearly as a as a a parody of law enforcement itself. Um yeah. 
that Heifer seeing well, and, this and, and society, wanted, like in general, they're both well, a yes, cynical and, sort of dystopias and corporate and corporate, and corporate yeah, American. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, with all of that, it is very fitting that this episode then follows um, Heifer seeing an ad for a security guard and for Conglomo for this big ultra corporation and wants to, you know, his main inspiration in is he wants to be like Robofrog. He wants to be a cool, tough guy. You know, he doesn't, you know, he sees the power fantasy. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, let alone the, the, his dream vision of the five or seven utters of justice that oh are these God. like weird. Which did feel a little false all random, but whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there is a bit of that in this show from time to time. Uh, you know. Yeah, like like he does the dream sequence with the seven utters of justice and they and like and what I what I think is interesting is the way that this show has this kind of interplay between like the dream and reality of what's going on, because he applies for this job like nothing. Nothing progresses linear in this situation. He like has he already applied for the job? I think so. Has he like interviewed? Is he officially got the job? I don't know. We see him sleeping. The seven utters of justice show up and make him promise to like. I promise you, bonehead, that you will uphold the honor and sanctity of this blessed security guard uniform, and shall henceforth send all who offend thee and the law straight to their destruction. And they bequeath unto him his work uniform, and then he's got the work uniform from the udders, and then he puts it on and struts through town and shows up at his job on the first day. Yes, and and like. It's an inch. I don't know, like the the kind of non-linear, non-literal way that p- characters get from A to B is interesting, and I think that is yeah. something that this show plays with a lot. Yeah, it's also worth mentioning that uh, they make him sign, you know, swear an allegiance, and part of it that he adds, not from their lines but from his own, is my own craving for power and authority. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, if you're wondering the show's stance mm-hmm. on all of this. Yeah, um, it's very clear. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he does. Also, he needs to get a job because he crashed his dad's car. But part of it because his attention was pulled by the choky chicken, uh, like a sign or something. It was something on the road. But but uh, I forgot that that was their running masturbation joke uh, until they had to cut it for season four, change it to chewy chicken. I think. Yeah, but that's um, fu- that fucking it's it's like in so many episodes the chain restaurant choky chicken. Choky chicken, yeah. God. Um yeah, it's funny yeah. when like the joke, you know, uh the joke sort of loses its its magic, right? And but you've just you've built you've built this you've built it into the world and now there's it's just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, just Yeah, if it was chicken. just one episode, it'd be like, "Oh, they did what?" But it's like, no, every day it's just and then you start to think, "Is it bad? No, it's just <laughs> yeah. a normal. I mean, it can't be wrong if it's in every episode, right? It's our beloved chicken chain. Yeah. Yeah. This is what it's um, called. On his way, so so before we get to the genre parody, uh, on his, well, I guess it's not a genre parody. It's an explicit film parody, but we'll, we'll get there. But he he has put on his security guard outfit and he's strolling through town like a fucking sheriff. And he encounters the other main characters of the show and uh, sort of does awful authoritarian slights to them. Uh, He accosts Filbert for loitering 
uh, and asks to see ID and tells him to assume the position. Assume the position! <laughs> it's just really fucking nasty. Uh, it's really... It's yeah, real he, it's shit. immediately, immediately, he's just <laughs> gone from zero to, you know, police brutality. It, it, there's no, yeah. you know, there's no daylight between those two extremes. But Rocco... Uh, Rocco runs across the street to come say hi to him and he gives him a ticket for jaywalking and as he walks away he says you're lucky they don't allow hanging in old town uh, <laughs> that was kind of funny sheesh <laughs> uh, but interestingly enough when he gets to his job at Conglomo and it's like this you know light like night shift creepy alone sort of uh, security guard job we immediately are doing uh, a kind of I think too quick parody of the movie The Shining, uh, which I'm always there for because The Shining is my one of my top two or three horror films of all time. Uh, but I don't know. I, I help me understand. Can I guess them? You... I is it? It's The Shining, The Thing, and Alien. Yeah, that's definitely correct. Uh, right underneath those movies is gonna be like you know Get Out, and I assume once sure, I finally yeah, see not, not once really I finally classic, see. Yeah, but... Uh, hereditary. Once I finally watch that, I'm sure that'll be up there too because it seems up my alley and really fucked up. Uh, but yeah, like I love the classic shit. Uh, or at least not the classic, classic stuff. Like we're not talking like Hammer movies, but like, you know, that that delicious 70s and 80s the, horror. The real classics, the like Stone yes. Cold can't, can't fight, can't fuck with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The Godfathers of horror. Mm-hmm. Well, the movie The Godfather is pretty scary. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Scary how long and boring it is. I had to close my eyes when he ate a tomato. <laughs> um, But help me understand, I, I've not given this a lot of thought. I'm sure that I could get there. What is what is the what do you think the connection they're drawing is between The Shining and his authoritarian freak out? I, I don't know. I think honestly, there's something about. I don't know. I think there's some. I think it's two different uh, ideas, and, and yes, uh, I'm not saying that that doesn't like that they can't connect. I'm not saying that there uh, was no thought in combining them, but I don't know that it is a. It's as uh, deconstructible at, at, in, mm -hmm. in in terms of like coming to a conclusion about what it means. I think the first part was the cop shit, and as soon as he's on the job. He now is in this more, it's a day job. I mean, it's night. It's a night job. He's got the night shift. But, like, now he's in the mundane of just having a job, right? He's yeah. no longer, because there's nobody there to cop. There's nobody to cop, except he right. has his little, he has his sort of, like, you know, Winnie the Pooh horror scene where, uh, where he's judged for his crimes. So, I guess, but that's not really, that's not from The Shining. The, the no, judge shit. no, it's so, not. So, um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, I didn't I, I get think it. They just were invoking I, some, some classic horror vibes more than. I think there is a there is some kind of social research that has yet to be done about how compulsive the compulsive need for some writers to just do movie references, <laughs> um, especially yeah. in animation. Yeah, and also, yep. and, uh, and at the top of that list, also, The Shining is. You well, know, this yeah. was as easy references, just softball references to yeah. just sort of. Yep, Add I think, and and I think the, the, 
that there's there's more there's degrees of of um uh, abuse of this of this style for sure um and i agree with, with sort of your assessment of its of it but i think for a long time this was what was considered appealing to parents was mm-hmm. like references for them to get uh-huh yeah yeah cuz i for sure saw this episode before i ever watched the show of course oh yeah absolutely however I probably had seen another Shining reference on the Simpsons in other probably. content, almost certainly. Well, even before the Simpsons, but like it's just it's so ubiquitous that even just the twins, yeah, or the carpet, or the you know just the you know yeah. I mean, Heifer full on rides a tricycle down hallways and sees twins at the end of the hallway and then ends up. Yeah, in and that, he doesn't uh, hear Johnny through the door, and he's you know like I'd almost certainly seen some version of that. Uh-huh. You know, before I saw this episode. So it's like it's more known. It was more known to kids as, hey, it's that thing everybody's referencing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I was given whiplash here. So he does the, you know, he ends up at that like, uh, you know, abandoned, not abandoned, but like fully empty, like bar sequence from uh, from The Shining. And, you know, there's like this ghostly uh barkeep named Lloyd and he offers him a drink and you know he wants his soul in payment. I need a drink. I give my soul for a soda. What flavor have I? Hey! You know, like we're doing that scene. But in The Shining, Jack is just like, you know, he's being, you know, he he buys into this. Like he starts seeing people there and it's like normal, you know, he's not like freaked out by what's happening. He's like, you know, this is the part that got really surrealist, right? Like this is, uh-huh. this is clearly a dream sequence, except it's not because yeah. he's awake, but you know, that's what it is. It's dream yeah. logic and sort of we're in dream stuff. But it's where it, it's where it lost me in terms of like what they were trying to say or if they had anything to say, because they took that scene and then he turns around and sees all these ghosts and he sees them as terrifying ghosts. And suddenly it's like a moral moment um, of like, oh, yeah, I really have screwed over all my friends. And, you know, if you're going to invoke The Shining, uh, it's like a weird way. Like, it's weird to change the ending of The Shining. <laughs> and I also, guess. so I like, I mean, again, it, it's an abbreviated show. It's a kid show where things are sort of, I didn't feel like he screwed over his friends to the point of needing to be haunted. He had a new no. job as a as a like mall cop and he took it a little too serious. And I think that that's so relatable that I wasn't <laughs> really that mad at him. Yeah. For yeah. Just, like, being a little self-serious on his first day of work. Yeah. The show already is so clear about like, hey, like putting on this uniform and this sort of like need to enact your power and to feel like a big tough man clearly causes shitty cop behavior. Like, yeah, the show is is super explicit about that. And yeah. then yeah. it does. And then it does six minutes of The Shining completely <laughs> sort of separate just for for, you know, the fucking thrill of it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still I have fond memories of this episode. I liked watching it. I had a good time with the ride. I mean, like the yeah. the the moment to moment of Rocco is always enjoying enjoyable to me. I I I like what they're doing. I enjoy the voice acting a lot. The voice acting is one of the most incredible parts of this show. Uh, it's Charlie Adler, I think, who does the big heads. Yeah. Some of the best voices that have ever been done in a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, one of the other voice actors, head. one of the other voice actors was on the record quoting saying that in the booth, watching Charlie Adler play against himself 
without any cuts, <laughs> just doing an entire scene as both of them back and forth talking to himself was like the most stunning thing that ever seen. Yeah. So like, you know, they had all the talent in there. It'll, it'll elevate pretty much anything. So yeah. 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 Uh, let's move on to the big one. Let's do that. Andrew. Yeah. Andrew, it's bills time. It's time for the bills to pay. Oh, and I have an ad for you and I would love for you to tell us about our new sponsor, uh, telling people you've started to rewatch Stargate SG one. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes I feel like I am too, um, I guess too popular. Right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I've, I've, I don't know. Maybe I've expressed that before. I wouldn't that say that, but I, I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, I can. Well, relate. you know, you don't, you can't know how I feel. Right. I feel too <laughs> popular, and that's that's not that's valid. You know. Yeah. You don't, you don't get to tell me that's not valid. I feel too popular sometimes, and 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 you know, in those situations, you know, I might be uh, at a sporting event. I might be at someone's bar mitzvah. Maybe like a relative, not like a friend I have that's having a bar mitzvah who's very young. <laughs> or but mostly it's like for like hey, you guys are about Stargate. <laughs> well, I've so, I get stuck at these damn things, right? Because I sure. try and leave against your will. Yeah, I try and leave, and, and everyone's you can't like, drive. "God, you're so, yeah, I can't drive because I don't have a driver's license." And uh, you know, famously, just all the partygoers are like, "No, where are you going?" I was really enjoying that story you started telling or like, Oh, turn those buns back around here. You sexy fucker. And I, you can't leave this party. Mm, yeah. Heard that. And, before. and in those situations, I've got a little trick and it's that I start telling people that I've started to rewatch Stargate SG one. Oh, I like this. It's like, it's, it's an exit strategy. It is. It is because all the goodwill that I've built up over that evening of drinking and making out with people and doing all the fun things that I definitely do at parties is, is soured immediately as soon as the, they realize that I'm about to summarize all of my feelings about every episode of the first season of Stargate SG-1 and how, like, I guess, like, different it is on rewatch. Space is Egypt. Yeah, space is Egypt, and there's these big doors, and, like, do we go oh, through them? big doors. Do we not go through them? And, like, oh, man... There's so much context I have now on rewatch that I didn't have the first time through, and oh my god, you know what I mean? And and by then, usually people have have. Um... I find myself in a taxi somebody's <laughs> paid for. Yeah, <laughs> I actually feel like I'm done recording. I actually yeah. gotta go, you know, get out of this for a minute. No, um, you'll never believe what happens to Jonathan Stargate in season two because. They set up season eight really well, and you don't realize uh-huh. that until you're rewatching. Ooh. You know, wow. And and uh, and if you zoom in on his tattoos, it says one of his famous lines from uh, from season nine. Time to start Stargate life. Yeah, Stargate life. <laughs> you know, and, and that that ends up being really important in, uh, to the plot. And uh, I'm home somehow. That taxi yeah. got me home. You know what I love about this too hmm. is that. Not only are you going to tell people like about your thoughts about the show, but like it's great as a person, like for you as a person, when you start rewatching a show like that, this gets to be your whole deal for like as long as you're doing it. Right. Yeah. You always have this to bring up like this is your thing now. Yeah. 
And, you know, it doesn't matter if there's truth to it, right? It's more about how it makes people feel. They, there's nobody's gonna, nobody there's gonna be able to fact check you. <laughs> no, they can't fact check me. They can just feel what they feel, which is usually very bad. Most people only know about Stargate theoretically. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember. When did SG did SG two ever come out? No, uh, we're still waiting. The Kickstarter is going <laughs> through. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you know that I've been rewatching Stargate SG one? Well, about that time. Well, but that's so cool. Do I not? Do I have to do the rest of the podcast now, or? No, you can go. Okay, fine. <laughs> I got a little hungry and I washed all of my utensils and I found an unopened package of pasta and I've made myself my own separate untainted pasta and I'm eating it in a corner away from... How did you get your piss in here? How did you do this? I didn't look away for a second. How did you get your piss in here? He he did a bank shot. (laughs) (laughs) I did a... You remember Angelina Jolie in the movie Wanted? Yeah. <laughs> you bent it through the air. I bent piss. You bent it like Beckham. God, I wonder how many people are going to be like, they're like, oh man, I was on Saturday Morning Tuesdays for like five years until they did that piss episode. You know, look, I, I want, uh, let's, 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 then let's reveal the curtain. Let's, let's show the man behind the curtain. It's not a gag. We're we're in Piss City, for real. We can't leave. We're stuck here. We we didn't choose to be here, and we're just in the restaurant. You know, peeing not peeing in pastas. Don't pee in the pasta sauce. That would be. That's what I always say. That's what I always say. I'm on the record. (laughs) Oh God. Well, we've we've got we've got a big episode to talk about. Uh, this boy, this is, this episode blew my fucking little mind when I saw this as a kid. This is Rocco episode 10 of this season three. Did. It's called Wacky Deli. What about uh, this so here's, blew your uh, mind? I mean, I didn't dislike it. I just, I didn't find it like. It's fucking weird. There oh, are moments yeah. of this episode did, that are weird as shit. It was I among the maybe, weirder things that I'd ever seen on TV. I guess maybe. I mean. The first episode we watched is pretty weird, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. There's a baseline weird in this show that's... that's Yeah, and that, I guess that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know that this was this was the furthest the envelope's gotten pushed by Rocco. I mean, maybe it is. I didn't... I, I don't know. I don't think it was about an envelope being I won't be pushed. argumentative. We'll get into I the... like, you know, have your experience. I just, like, I was, <laughs> I was surprised to hear that you... This one... This is the one that blew your mind. Yeah, no, I don't know. This one... This one really, really got to me. So... Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ralph Bighead wants to leave the world of television animation. So he gives Rocco, Filbert, and Heffer free reign in creating a new television show, hoping their ineptitude will get Ralph's contract canceled. When it becomes a hit, however, Ralph does what he can to ruin Wacky Deli. You know what this feels like a lot to me is the format that Key and Peele did with a lot of their skits. 
Right? Yes. Take, take yes. one idea and really push it until it's fully absurdist. And then jump uh-huh. like 30 years into the future and see them old <laughs> still doing the same joke. Yeah. 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 No, I, I fully agree. Uh, just to, just to sort of put a, put a, put a name around it, uh, about the piece of this that I like stuck in my brain so hard, the in-universe content of the show Wacky Deli is so arrestingly weird and, and freaky that as a kid, as a young kid, right? I must've been like six or so when I watched this episode, I, I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? I like, am it, it, the cheese. <laughs> the cheese is the best character on the show, better than the salami. Like, just like that whole fucking content <laughs> is so upsettingly crazy to listen to and watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's freaky. It's freaky. Yeah, it's like watching a snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't yeah, know. I, I, Austin, did you remember this one when you... I, I, I mean, I... I don't know if I remember if I have specific memories of watching this little bits mm. like sparked in my head that maybe I'd seen it. I, you know, I've, I've definitely seen references to it since. I mean, I know a lot of people when people talk about wacky, you know, Rocco's modern life, the first thing they do is, is wacky deli. I mean, is it's it? sort so of that's like, again, that's again, I'm like, I didn't know this was like the, it's like the, the pinnacle, episode. the pivotal episode of the year. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think this is the most Rocco Rocco gets, but sure. I think it's notable because it's like a show almost like being too honest about how fucking jaded how they are about doing their own literally show. Literally <laughs> how the sausage gets made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like the the character Ralph, uh, the big head son Ralph is a, you know, not a direct stand-in for the creator of the show, but like definitely like working through some an avatar, an avatar Ralph. of some of some disenfranchisement. Yeah, he's like yes, for sure, and like yeah, Hollywood disillusionment too, which mm-hmm. I think is also extremely you surprising. Another pilot, a, yeah, like it's <laughs> a, yeah, a concept the the concept that someone who is writing in television wants to leave and yeah. does not and wants to get out of what would seem like a dream job would be like, Oh my God, you get to make television. Holy shit. It is like, Oh my God, I have to get out of my contract. I fucking hate this, you know, like, and being create, being, uh, like successful, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's so funny too, the way that it's sort of a, and I, cause I imagine it's very real, this sort of like weaponized version of the right of first refusal. We're like, now he can't quit until they've said no to a project. Yeah. (laughs) It's like. (laughs) Yeah. And this is so this episode is also kind of a sequel uh, to an earlier two parter uh, called I Have No Son. Sure. Uh, Because like we learn we learn about the existence of Ralph Bighead because in that episode, because there's the show that he made called The Fatheads. Uh, which we li- which we learn in this in this episode, he's thrilled to be finally done because he's made 893 episodes of the Fatheads. Uh, but they learned that it was by Ralph Bighead, and he's and Rocco's like, is that related to you? And like they sort of like you know find out that he's like estranged because uh, he ran off to go do Hollywood stuff and he didn't work at Conglomo like his dad and all sorts of other stuff. 
But now now it seems like Ed Bighead is very on board because he's sort of like, you know, they've reconnected and it's and he's clearly very successful. Uh, and he's probably gotten over the fact that the fatheads are clearly based on Ed and Bev Bighead <laughs> as his parents. Um, but it's it's just an it's an interesting thing because now now we have the return of Ralph and he uh you know where where the earlier episode is kind of like no I ran off to you know do what I want and you know you never understand me now he's like God I got what I wanted and everything LA has is just broken so him. shit as it goes to most people <laughs> it has chewed him up and spit him out and he is a shell of a person yeah you know a fun like a fun character for cartoons for kids. <laughs> yeah, He's just a, a completely haunted young man who's been who's been ruined <laughs> by the studio. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so you know what arises in this episode is kind of a, the producer's plot, uh, where you know he's like, "Oh, well, I'll get these fucking idiots to make my next pilot, and it'll be so bad that they'll never want me to make anything for them again, and I can finally go follow my dream of making the world's biggest still life, true art." That I've always yeah. wanted to make. <laughs> yeah, he wants to go be a sculptor and just do his own whatever shit off in the woods or something. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so, you know, not pitching them that concept, he basically is like, I think you've got your finger on the pulse of America. I do? How would you and your little friends like to help me create my new show? Really? We could help? Yeah, help, help make my show because Heifer was just coming up with an idea of lunch meat deli meats that were <laughs> characters no really i'll show you it could be about uh mm, deli meats hello mr baloney <gasps> look out for mr butcher life oh, no, get away from me ah! <laughs> hey home slice hef that's the stupidest thing i've ever heard an idea like that would get Ralph kicked out of his contract. Ah! What was that? Well, it's funny too because so he's he says, um, you know, anybody can make an animated cartoon, and of course this is an animated cartoon that's that's already kind of funny. Here, I'll do mm -hmm. it. It's about a salami. His name is Mitchell Salami. See, done. And um, I feel like there's a version of this again. We talked about that before, right? Where like. That's the that's the setup for him to learn how hard it is, and he fails at right. it. Right, right. Uh, he gets he gets his wish, and it's way it's it's more difficult than you know. He learns something new, blah blah blah. But instead, he they while their show that has some honest trials, uh, it's, you know, in uh, in in making the show has some honest trials for the characters. Mm -hmm. What they actually do is work together and succeed and have a very successful show, and. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's funny, right? Because what they make is devoid of artistic value and merit. And the more that Ralph tries to sabotage the show, the more it becomes a hit. Of course, yes. The more the, people uh, ascribe artistic the, intention. Right. Yes. The commentary is not lost content. on me, but the actual story <laughs> for these characters. Yeah, they is do just a great job. <laughs> yeah, they they do not have a crucible, really. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, well, they do definitely go through it. In, in yeah, yeah, very it's early, difficult. Early yeah, there's that montage. Yeah, um, but from then on, it's kind of a well-oiled machine, and they like making the show, <laughs> and, and they're happy with its success. <laughs>
Yeah, but I, I I love that sequence though. The sequence where they're you know Rocco's just trying to make a fucking storyboard, and they just keep coming up with ideas too late in the process to continue having new ideas. And yeah. anybody who's ever collaborated knows that pain. Yes. Um. Yes. Of like, yes. good God, we need to stop having new ideas. We need to just make the ones we already had. Um. And yeah. it's it's they're, it they're, it does hurt to watch. They're following the book of like how to do animation. It's like step one, design your characters. So like, all right, sweet. That was easy. All right. Two, step two, uh, storyboards, you know? Uh, yeah. And so, and that's when, you know, heifer, God, heifer is so hard to enjoy in this scene because <laughs> it's heifer and, and Filbert are both just they're so petty. They're so petty and they're coming up with ideas that are bad. And are yeah. difficult, and they're just you know. And one keeps... of Heifer's ideas, literally, to just cut the character Filbert invented. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking. Yes. Do we really need the cheese at all? What? Why you big stupid? What? Cow? What did I say? Why do you? I feel like, oh my god. <laughs> well, and it's a great move to have each of them create a character. Yeah, like well, yeah. you here's, see here's each the, one of them. The subtle thing I think that, that I think that will sting anybody who, who's done any process like this is that uh, Heifer and Rocco vote to change the cheese, and then it's changed. Filbert's character is the only one who is is <laughs> is, is <laughs> yeah. irre- irrevocably altered for the worse. I mean, compared yeah. to me, obviously the just the like <laughs> the artistic drawing of a cheese was. Funny as a joke, I, I'm, I'm a little but bit no, that I, here. But yeah, he gets his care. He gets his idea slashed and changed, and then and yeah. that's just the show now. And yeah. and it's 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 demonstrably changed from a more technically proficient, good drawing to yeah yeah a to the, stupid cheese with a dumb mouth. And yeah. I gotta say, I gotta say, retroactively, there's a little bit of like. I don't know something here where they've made this artistically bereft piece of content. That's just a bunch of people yelling and doing nonsense shit. Mr. Cheese looks a lot like SpongeBob (laughs) and and the SpongeBob people made that afterwards. And this show had a nice tidy 50 some episodes and SpongeBob has gone on to approach the fat heads, 893. Wait, are you saying that these were on at the same time? I, uh, no, it started in ninety. I didn't, okay, I didn't think so. Yeah, yeah. I. It's just I, maybe a little bit of lack of self awareness. Maybe after you know, <laughs> like they, <laughs> they make this wacky deli episode and then they go on to become the thing they villainize a little bit. Well, so you know. yeah, so so they they have that was like step two is like make the storyboard and then it's like step three through four thousand thirty six draw. <laughs> <laughs> draw lots of lots of little pictures. Draw lots and lots of little pictures. Which was a funny yeah. twist because I thought that the joke was just was it I thought it was a different joke that that mm-hmm. uh that the rule book was cartoonishly big and kind of uh overly prescriptive and and uh and kind of hand tie handcuffing them to away from art, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But it was actually just honest that like you, the creative work is one, two, three, and then Four through four thousand <laughs> is fucking do it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Draw a lot of it. Yeah, like that's just like really actually useful, good advice. <laughs> it is strangely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I okay. So my my favorite moment 
in this episode is is the first time. So they they make the show. The producers love it, and Ralph is so crestfallen. And it comes out. Everyone loves it. Kids Steve. love it. They're all they're shoving salamis up their nose, and the producers are like, Frank, did you see all those kids' faces? I know. Do Ralph and his boys know they've created a monster here? They don't have a clue. Frank. Yes, Will? We've got one heck of a hit show here! Yes! Ah! <laughs> like, we're making kids be awful. That's yeah. so great. Kids love our show. And the first time Ralph is like, oh, no, 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 I got to sabotage this. I got to make this as bad as possible so they'll realize how, how bad it is and cancel it. And his first intervention is to be like, mm, <laughs> it needs something. How about mayonnaise? Uh, mayonnaise? Yeah. What if we hold on a bucket of mayonnaise for an entire 10 minutes? And initially, the, the the characters are like, Rocco and them are like, oh, I don't know, this that's a little weird. And he's like, nope, it's my show, we're doing it, it's mayonnaise. And they air an episode that is straight up just an uninterrupted shot of a jar of mayonnaise. And we start this gag where the newspapers show up and they're like, Ralph Bighead hits a pig with Incredible Mayo episode or whatever the fucking <laughs> quote it's is. It's like a Warholian tribute. <laughs> yes, a Warholian tribute. <laughs> <laughs> it's so just like upsettingly tragic from like yeah. an art like an artist perspective you're like no <laughs> yeah every every step i mean i'm spoiling the end here but every step i made to sabotage this piece of art made it more popular and the second i put an ounce of myself into it and tried to honestly make it good is when it failed and that's that's such a crushing message <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a wacky deli. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean if we didn't if we didn't play any clips from the actual like aired that first episode, you know, we need we to have make to play sure. the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean at least a ch- a good chunk of it. Character on the show. I am better than both the salami and the bologna combined. Hello? Notice the texture Hello? of this meatloaf, and the pineapples give it a festive Hello? touch. I am the cheese. I am the best character on the show. I am better than both the salami and the bologna combined. Should be spongy yet firm. Salami better than the bologna. Feel better than the bologna. Embrace it. So, what'd you think? But it's really fun too to see. Ugh. You know, you can't see this. You can only hear the audio. But the uh, which may be mind blowing to you if you're listening. <laughs> um, very surprising. You can't see it. 
But no, I mean, in the way that they show skipped frames, like they do bad yep. animation on purpose, repeated animation, like people doing the repeated same. Repeated sequences happening over top of other sequences, uh-huh. like repeated lines of dialogue. Like uh, it's it's so yeah. weird. If if you like this, I recommend watching Keep Your Hands Off Azo Ken, uh, which <laughs> yeah. is also about doing animation, about a bunch of inexperienced people doing animation that also has that kind of love letter and like brutal like <laughs> brutal honesty about how much work it is um, <laughs> and when you see experienced animators doing bad animation on purpose it's very fun yeah that's like, fun it's, it, it's yeah. just very cute you know um because it's all a bunch of in jokes for the animators too i'm like oh i know what sucks you know what would be super <laughs> easy is if we just repeat this animation over and over again the, yeah there's a bunch of his his attempts to his final attempt, I think, before he gives up to sabotage this show is to talk to his father, Mr. Bighead, who for some like anti Rocco, anti heifer, <laughs> like, um, yeah. And advice. he interrupts his, his parents having some kind of sexual play with a hamster ball. <laughs> yes, that's right. I had hamster <laughs> ball written down in my notes and I forgot what that was. <laughs> that's right. They're Ed's just... like chasing Bev around the living room and he's in a hamster ball and she's not. And they're both he's giggling. Like and giggling, I'm pretty sure yeah. they're going to fuck in there. <laughs> um. But yeah, and so he, so Big Head takes him down to his like evil laboratory and he has a big laser and his dad, or, or, or the son is like, But dad, I just want to get rid of the studio and every shred of evidence of Wacky Deli. I don't want to hurt Rocco. Oh. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. That was I funny. just want to, you know, <laughs> stop the studio that, uh, is making I want to erase all show. traces of Wacky Telly. Well, and and right. it's it's a good reminder because as crazy as this episode is getting in a lot of ways, this story, the actual like story, is so grounded. And I love that he's like because that's the joke, right? The big head wants to kill Rocco, and that's part of the show. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, but then then we have little big head, Ralph Bighead, who is like, this isn't um, no, that's not. I'm not, I'm not doing a murder, murder show. Somebody. I'm not murdering somebody. This is a, I have a, I have a workplace, you know, conflict. And I'd like some advice on dealing with my coworker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, so the, the lower stakes solution is that his dad does climate change. Um, he uses his big laser to melt the polar ice caps and I guess flood LA uh, and hopefully take the studio with it. Unfortunately, Heifer, which has been renamed tire. Dellywood. Yeah, <laughs> Hollywood is now I didn't Delhi catch Wood. that. Yeah, it's it's uh, the the big Hollywood sign is Delhi. It's Delhi. That's great. Um, Which is because they yeah. don't say it's not changed, but I don't think they ever say Hollywood. So you're right. You're there's right to not different, catch it. I think there's a different it, name they have for it that sounds like Hollywood. It had like to have been something before. I mean, unless it's always been Dellywood, and then they I don't. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it was the name I think now is, is Dellywood something in this episode. Yeah, and it was changed from something that's like Hollywood, but not quite. But yeah, it was okay, changed to Delhi. Sure. It's funny. It's, it's funny, funny as fuck. Um, yeah, this joke is this joke is bizarre. Heifer, Heifer's car breaks down, and he pulls out a jack to jack up his car and mess with it. But instead of jacking up his car, he jacks up the entire studio. 
and his jack is like fucking Felix the Cat, Mary Poppins style, and it just keeps going and going, and he lifts the studio up like thousands of feet in the air, and it's uh, lifted high enough up to uh, escape the tsunami created by melting the ice caps. And and he, now uh, the, the only thing safe. that's left is Wacky Deli. <laughs> <laughs> the only show that's left is Wacky Deli. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. So it you know we 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 climax at this moment where um I guess we. we Earlier, one of the episodes that we see in progress, uh, the salami eats the cheese and then vomits the cheese back up in a really awful sequence. And kind of recalling that moment, uh, Ralph shows up and just straight up eats a, like the film reel, only to realize that was an old episode of the Fatheads they were watching and he hasn't actually eaten the Wacky Deli episode. And he violently vomits this <laughs> film back up on top of all of them while he screams. Can't you see that I hate this show and I've been trying to sabotage it since day one? But you keep messing me up. I want to get out of this business and make real art. That's when it sort of, it got, it kind of hit that Shaun of the Dead level where it's like, this is love letter and scathing critique in one. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not yeah. love letter exactly, but like, this is this is what I do. This is this is my job. This is my world. Mm-hmm. This is my this is my nugget. This is my little corner. This is what I've been given, and maybe I can, you know, give it the best I can. You know, really like try to say something with it. Try to use it to do. Something yeah, Rocco just, inspires you know, him to fucking be artistic with the show, and we cut over it's a new episode that ralph has made he's doing some fucking like dance of the sugar plum fairies dance number with the deli yeah he's made high art on purpose (laughs) and the newspaper just slams into the screen wacky deli canceled wacky deli canceled highbrow meat goes bad people hate it and then he goes off to this ending is the funniest fucking shit to me this is it just is such a again a painful twist another twist of the knife yeah he makes his fucking it's 10 years later. He's made the world's biggest still life. He's carved it out of a mountain. It's, you know, it's the most basic still life imaginable. He's got it's got a like long grapes. beard and he looks like a mess. Yeah. And he's so happy he finally did what he set out to do. And some yokel walks by and says, Hey, not bad. But have you seen Wacky Belly? The first season, that is. Before that new guy ruined it. I read that a little (laughs) differently to me because the thing is, is his, his still life, his, his attempt at high art was not only sort of ex, uh, was sort of based on outside praise and not really his internal desire to make good art. And, Uh (laughs) and not only that, uh, external, that's what I, I sort of lost in my, <laughs> lost mid-sentence, uh, saying it. It's sort of external validation. Um, and it's bad. His high art's not good either. Like, exactly. So, so the funny thing is that, like, I think that there's, to me, the, the critique is also on, on the artist for, uh, perhaps being, uh, too into the smell of your own farts at times. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's I think it's both tragedies at once. It's both. It's for sure both. This is not a scathing critique of the v- of the people who watch television for being dumb right. idiots. Right. Yeah. He's he's both tragically misunderstood and and 
and the people who watch and make television are wrong a little and the things he make are are bad the things yeah. he makes are bad and 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 that's that that is a double whammy that is so sad yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's such a sad episode i think that was also part of, it's like there's like a hopelessness baked into wacky deli that yeah like, it just feels so bad i think that also hit me really hard when i was a kid just like, yeah it's a real warholian <laughs> tribute say. uh there is actually i do have some more background information mm. uh on at least on on the creators of the show and on just sort of the creation of Rocco's modern life that there may be some it, it's a it's a, a bit of a bummer here but you know um i guess content warning for self-harm just a heads up but all right this is the line um in november 1992 two months prior to the production of season one of Rocco's modern life uh, Murray, the creator of the show, uh, yeah, Joe Murray, Joe Murray, uh, his first wife committed suicide. Uh, Murray had often blamed his wife's suicide on the show being picked up. He said it was always an awful connection because I look at Rocco as such a positive in my life. He felt that he had emotional and physical unresolved issues when he moved to LA. He describes the experience as like participating in a marathon with my pants around my ankles. Murray initially believed that he would create one season, move back to San Francisco, and clean up the loose ends I had left hanging. Murray said that he felt surprised when Nickelodeon approved new seasons. Uh, they renewed the series for its second season December 1993. After season three, he decided to hand the project to Steven Hillenberg, who performed most of the work for season four. Murray continued to manage the cartoon. He said that he would completely leave the production after season four. Um... And but Nickelodeon eventually decided to cancel the series. So basically, huh. he was, you know, he sort of had one foot out the door oh, for yeah a while, and had a lot of heavy shit that he kind of was like, "All right, well, we'll do I guess one season and go, Dang. and I can like you know." Yeah, so the network life. trapped him. The network trapped yeah. him in his in his in his post traumatic moment. Because they wanted more content. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I'm I appreciate that Wacky Deli is not a one to one retelling of that story, but I could no. see how kind of cathartic this would be to to write sure. this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of kind of crazy. Um, and you can, I Man. mean, there, there's there's no way parts of that are not are not pulling from real experience. Of course. Yeah. Especially from this is late in the show's run. So right, everybody's exactly. kind of, you know, they don't care what happened, you know, or they <laughs> yeah, can see tired. the, you know, they're tired and they're just like, dude, I do not care at this point. They let <laughs> us do whatever we want. Let's just be brutally honest about like how we feel about making a show like this. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, you, you know, you make some, make some fucking low effort content. You know, we got a guy's, you know, a sponge and his name's going to be Sponge Bob. Sponge Brad, and maybe? I'm Sponge Bob. I'm the best character in the show. And, uh, damn, I, I don't actually think that's true. I just, I, the first couple seasons of SpongeBob are great, but God damn, it's like a, you know, live, lo live long enough to see yourself become the villain situation. With well, Steven Hillenberg literally died he, before yeah. his show ended. Yeah. Fucking crazy. 
Um, anyway, this was really fun to watch La- uh, Wacky Deli again. I, I I truly haven't seen this in like a decade at least. I'm I'm sure, uh, but it left an impression on me. Yeah, and. <laughs> Uh, shall we go wrap it up? Yeah. Let's wrap it. Just wrap this jig jag thing up. Let's go. Well, uh, tonight's dinner course will be uh, a wet, a, a real wet, <laughs> real wet. Try not to think about it. Um, yes, Mister Kavanaugh, uh, right this way, and we'll. Uh, <laughs> Would you like the red, the white, or the yellow? <laughs> um, hey, everybody, we're back. That's um, so upsetting. <laughs> we, we, are, we are now just the restaurant that serves piss to all the politicians that are bad. Um, and the thing is, we're still booked. We're still booked for <laughs> the next year. Those dirty um, birds. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, guys, this is, um, this is the end of, of our Nicktoons arc. And, uh, I think it's been fun. I can see us coming back at some point and, and doing a few more yeah, of the, of the just stinky to quiet Nicktoons everybody that we, had, we didn't, you know, we're never going to get to all of your favorite Nicktoons. Do rock rats. We'll Watch. get to some of these things. <laughs> Watch rocket power. No. <laughs> no, I refuse. I refuse. But we might do a Beavers because I love Angry Beavers. One of these days we should watch Angry Beavers. That's fine. Oh, get out of my butt. It's <laughs> yeah, delicious. Yeah, I'm sure, we'll, I'm sure we'll do it. I'm sure we'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> you know, whatever. Cat dog. I don't know. Ugh. Um. Yeah. But this was this was a good selection. I liked I liked yeah. these Nicktoons. It's an it's a nice reminder, you know, that at the time the the two cartoon networks we're doing like i don't know not edgy but more like interesting shit like interesting yeah. content used to be made on kids networks well on the and regular. i actually actually have a really relevant quote for that and i know i've been mr uh-huh. wikipedia all day but uh this is a really a really interesting quote um from joe murray the creator of rocco uh in 2011 he said I think what set the 1990s apart was the fact that the climate was ripe for people taking chances and doing different things. Both Nick and Cartoon Network were able to invest in people who had nothing to lose. Of course, the result of that was there was a big explosion in the scene. There were big successes, like that yellow sponge that popped up in a big way. And with that Mm -hmm. success came another era where people aren't apt to take as many chances because the stakes are too high. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've been yeah. saying that for a while, right? That like, yeah. yeah, I mean, but I mean, especially in movies, the eighties yeah. and nineties was a was a time to you know get weird, and, and yeah. it was it was fostered throw, and it flourished. And you could throw yeah. a pile of money at a weirdo who's making like gutter content, you know, <laughs> and and they don't know what they're doing, but they learn or something on the job, and they produce Zim or they produce Rocco. Um, or, or you get, you know, Freddie got fingered and daddy, would you like some sausage? And daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausages? Maybe we yeah. regret giving Tom Green the money, but you know what? We're just giving people money. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, yeah. And then, and then like, what's, what's the bad thing that happened? There's a bad movie <laughs> exactly. from, a Cana- from, from a, you know, from a stinky Canadian <laughs> man. And like, <laughs> yeah, worse things have happened. <laughs> yeah. That's what always annoys me about people who like freak out about like 
well, they're ruining my Star Wars or whatever. Like, I don't think that the new Star Wars are good. I just think who cares? Like, they took a chance. They made a movie. It was bad. And, like, your life is no fucking different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're basically saying that Star Wars Episode Nine was Freddy Got Fangered. <laughs> yeah. That's the first movie I turned off in a long time. Because I usually yeah. Yeah, I try. If I hadn't been in a theater, I would have. Yeah. It's a re- I finished it later, so I have to kind of eat my words. But it's an absolute dreadful stinker. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not good. Not good. But yeah, the fact that you then one of these weird hits like SpongeBob becomes a multi-billion tent dollar pole. enterprise. Yeah. How is SpongeBob uh, a tentpole? Even as a kid, when I or not a kid, but a younger person, when that show came out, my dad and I both liked that show. We'd watch the early, early seasons of SpongeBob. Never in a million years would I have imagined that would have been like the media fucking conglomerate. That's thing. like you know, the, the cartoon. The interesting thing, too. Uh, that I think a lot of people don't understand. They're like, why didn't you? Why don't you just make SpongeBob good again? Why don't you just go back to when it was good, right? And like, sure, in a in a world where you can wave a magic wand and, and the mm-hmm. show's better, then that's that's great. But like, and realistically, realistically, you're this enormous, you know, property uh, going to be changing the show that way is probably going to lose viewers, and real people who really work on this show are going to lose their job. Yeah. That's what happens if SpongeBob becomes less successful. If it's shrinking instead of growing, mm-hmm. people stop having employment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, because like The Simpsons, it becomes a platform mm-hmm. for for money for and for, for work instead of like, you know, the individual art that it makes. when it holds up more than just it's it's more than it's it pays it keeps the lights on it lets them take chances on other shows to be cool yeah. like yeah it, yeah it it's I, i'm not saying that it's i don't know a noble cause to make spongebob squarepants season 33 <laughs> a warholian tribute <laughs> a warholian tribute <laughs> but the machine is turning already yeah, yeah. and to yeah. turn off the machine affects people who use that machine to feed their children. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that happens that happens on every level, right? I yeah, mean like exactly. not to not to, you know, completely digress, but like I have always had like a, a toe or a foot in like watching Game Grumps over the years. You know, they're kind of con- like, you know, uh comfort content for me. But the, the the conversation around them has been so much like, oh, why do they have to play to the YouTube algorithm? Why do they have to do all this stuff? Why why did they remove like, they got like mortgage episode numbers now. and shit <laughs> before it's they like, didn't? It had no investment, right? Yeah, because they have a whole company. Yeah, their their videos have to get views, or like you said, people can't feed their families. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that things are like this, but this capitalism, baby, like, yeah, you got you got to follow that dollar. That's also the thing is like most of the famous people you know or creative general creatives that you know aren't aren't as rich as you think they are. <laughs> that's yeah. a whole different yeah. soapbox but like yeah <laughs> Mo- most most people who create content that you consume are not dirt broke but they're not they're not billionaires no yeah no it's 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 too it's really it's really too bad and you know given enough time i think all all networks turn into something like what you know, Nick and, and Cartoon Network have, have become the kind of like <laughs> rerun machine of, 
You know, like, well, oh, remember when we made 90s cartoons? We'll rerun sort of some of those and then rest engine, of it's SpongeBob. Any sort of content engine that works like this works like this. So, like, yeah, the only yeah, way yeah. out is to, like, write a book by yourself, sell your book, one and done, baby, right? Like, no Or to have, no like, must. an eccentric billionaire give you money and not sure. care what happens to it. <laughs> but if you're, like, yeah. regularly making things for a paycheck... If you have a fiduciary responsibility yeah. to a board of investors. And empo- <laughs> and people who look to you to keep their job. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just the way it's going to go. So, you know, am I sad about it? Am I sad? I think yeah. all of this is out. I don't know. I don't know how long we, how much of this is. No. This is our This is our Nicktoon Nicktoon conversation. Yeah. That's right. If we're going to do it, we're going to talk about what happened to Nick. And what yeah. happened to Nick is this. And and I I'm sad, but you know it's not like animation's dead. There's still new cartoons. They come yeah. out of Disney more often than not, Even, which is another yeah. conversation. And but once the dust settles with Disney with Warner Brothers Discovery, yeah, um, that's you yeah. know, mm-hmm. I just saw another somebody just posted today on Twitter as we're recording this that somebody was like, hey the the whole like movie the or, you know, or show or whatever that I was working on for the last year of my life just got canceled by the Warner's discovery merger. Uh, you know, thanks for the opportunity to make this, but it's, it's completely gone now. Just like, wow, fucking that sucks. Huh? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting landscape out there. Turns out capitalism and art don't really mix super great. Do they? All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to our, Double length episode. On, <laughs> well, I think a fair amount history of this may of not make it, but I, I would love yeah. to just air it in its entirety and all of this yeah. as well. Hell yeah! See what happens. So, listen, everybody, yeah. from all of us, uh, you know, we, we, we love you. Uh, you're great, uh, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah.